What do Bananas, Improv, and Harper Lee have in common? Episode 28 of The Booterverse. Welcome to episode 28 of The Booterverse. On today's episode, we have improv expert Sammy Allison with us, and I couldn't be more excited. Judy Scheinbaum answers all of her questions, and of course, we have some Booter thoughts for you, all on today's episode of The Booterverse. Booter. Today's episode of The Booterverse is brought to you by Chainsaws. Chainsaws. I haven't seen that many swirling metal teeth since my junior prom. And now for news in my orbit. Forget the economic recovery in Obamacare. The real issue going into the 2016 presidential election is shaping up to be the American public's deep fear and loathing of Beyonce. A recent Des Moines Register Bloomberg politics poll of potential Iowa caucus goers has shown that 46% agree that Beyonce is mental poison. And it doesn't stop there. Subsequent polls by the AP, AARP, and In-N-Out Burger have revealed the problem goes way deeper. A majority of voters are convinced Jay-Z is her pimp and that the power couple is leading America into moral ruin. Nearly 60% are frightened by the ampleness of both her hair and her booty. 70% believe she's a Muslim, and upwards of 90% have lost sleep because they just want to understand the lyrics to 7-Eleven. In light of these concerns, Mike Huckabee has emerged as the front-runner among potential candidates due to the attention he has already paid to the Beyoncé crisis in his book, God, Guns, Grits, and Gravy. He's currently hard at work on a companion volume that deals entirely with a pop singer. He plans to reveal, among other things, that he had a vision in which God told him that Blue Ivy is actually the official name of the foliage of hell. And should he run for president again? Huckabee says his platform will be anti-Bay rights. In literary news, Harper Lee fans can now rejoice. Amid tremendous excitement over the upcoming release of the lost sequel to To Kill a Mockingbird, it's emerged that Lee has also penned a screenplay for Magic Mike XXL, and the film's producers say the project has been in the works for quite some time. After the release of the first movie, Lee contacted the producers. She said it had moved her to write again and that she'd like to try her hand at a second installment. Though skeptical at first, the movie's creators were completely won over by the first draft and a deal was inked. However, fans of the legendary reclusive Southern writer may want to adjust their expectations. According to literary scholar Lucy Lincoln, the screenplay is a bit of a thematic and stylistic departure from the novel that made Lee famous. There are, um... A few men and a woman or two, and a black guy and a couple kids, and, um, maybe a lawyer in a crowd scene. Otherwise, it's kind of, well, different than what you'd expect. Lee, of course, is silent on the matter, but academics are musing that this work could have been inspired by her rumored Vegas period, which was an alleged lost weekend in the 80s when several people claimed to have seen Lee drunk as a skunk shoving bills down a male stripper's G-string in a casino bar. Her agent has not yet confirmed rumors that if Magic Mike XXL is a hit, Lee plans to write a spin-off script about an exotic dancer named Boobs Radley. Now in music news, 
After Jack White's bizarre tour rider, which included his top-secret guacamole recipe, was leaked to the press by the University of Oklahoma, the rocker is finding he's no longer top banana among music fans. In fact, he's being boycotted and banned from coast to coast, all because he slammed bananas. We don't want to see bananas anywhere in the building, the writer states, prompting the Banana Anti-Defamation League to leap into action. Members of the organization say they were dismayed to hear of White's banana beef, but they were also secretly thrilled to finally have something to do. Let's face it, people pretty much love bananas, league president Monty Madison said. They've got that saucy shape, they taste pretty good, and people can slip and fall on the peels, and that's hilarious. What's not to love? But now they've made it their mission in life to make Jack White pay for his prejudice. Dressing in banana costumes, league members have been hanging posters in cities where White is scheduled to perform. They show a picture of White's face along with slogans like Banana Hater and Peel Pot. And if that's not enough, by the thousands people are burning their tickets and picketing at the theaters and arenas. Chanting bananas are appealing and take your hate and split, these former fans have succeeded in driving White and his entourage away in nearly every remaining city on his tour. We hate to make an example of him like this, the league says, but hopefully it will send a message that banana shaming is not cool. White would probably do well to try and mend his fruity fences in case the suddenly unemployed musician needs to go on the dole. And that's been it for News in My Orbit. Today's episode of the Verse is brought to you by Jellyfish. Jellyfish, it's shocking I finally found something I can eat. Buddha. And now for a segment where Judy Scheinbaum answers all of our guests' questions. Judy, take it away. Oh, hello, Emery. It's great to be back. And this is the last lung with Judy. Sammy Allison, ask away. Sure, Judy. I was just wondering, who's your celebrity crush? Oh my goodness, celebrity crush. I think people know that I have a little bit of a crush on Liam Neeson. I swear, if I was taken, I'd like him to research where I am and go find me. Oh wow. I, I'd like him to put his skills to good use, if you know what I mean. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, what's the? How many men have you been with? Seriously, sweetheart, we don't ask those kind of questions oh. on the air, but let me tell you, if there was a pack of Paul Malls, multiply it by a couple dozen. <laughs> uh, I have a four-year-old. If you have any advice on what to do with him in his temper tantrums, I'm sure you have kids, right, Judy? I do have a child. Her name is Eliza, the love of my life. Even though she's a big disappointment, don't tell her. She doesn't listen. It's all right. So, <laughs> if you have a four-year-old, the best advice I could give you is this. A little nip of bourbon every night before bed is never going to hurt anybody. For him or for me? Anybody. All right. <laughs> Great. I'm also getting married this fall. Uh, wedding planning, having to deal with mother-in-law issues, wondering if... Uh... Uh, is your daughter married? Well, sweetheart, I am not a mother-in-law, and I'll tell you what, Eliza has never been married... Not because I haven't tried. I keep throwing men away like a biscuit off a bread truck. And let me tell you, <laughs> it hasn't stuck. I'm starting to worry. Seriously, if Elizabeth Taylor can have eight husbands, why can't my daughter have at least one? All I want is a grandchild. But anyway, I digress. What kind of a man are you trying to marry? Uh, well, he's a really nice man. Um, he owns his own comedy record label. You know, he's got a lot going on for himself, but his mom is a little just... Uh... Okay, here's a little advice for mother-in-laws. I am not one, but I know a couple. And let me tell you, 
They're fabulous people. What you want to do, again, a little bit, nip a bourbon in the tea or coffee, <laughs> sort of ease them in. They're going to be fine. Do what they say every second Thursday of the third month of the year and you'll be fine. Oh, I can, I can maybe handle that every second Thursday of the third month. Absolutely. See, you don't want to give them too much. You have to stand your ground, sweetheart. But if you, you know, give a little bit, it will make them feel better. Okay, great. Also, doilies are nice. Because <laughs> mother-in-laws love doilies? They love them. Okay, good. Uh, any advice for the wedding planning, though? Anything we should do? You you ever plan any big parties? Any big dinners? You know, I'm actually a little bit of a homebody. But I did have a party with Travis Tritt once. And the man really liked his Stetsons. So, you know, think about it. Okay, great. So have you been with Travis Tritt intel- intimately? When you say... I... It's not... We don't talk about I'm it. I'm sorry. Is that too personal? It's a little personal. All right. I'm sorry. It hits me right where my knish should be. <laughs> so you were in love. I don't want to talk about okay, it. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. All right, you. You're getting married. One last question. Oh, all right. Um, uh, Should I have two more kids or just one more kid? I already have one child. I don't know. I like to round it out to an odd number. Have a couple more. All right, great. Thanks. Listen, we travel in packs of broods. We call them tribes. I don't know if you know. <laughs> no, I didn't. We do. They're lovely people. Listen, the Lower East Side, a wonderful place. Okay, great. So you're from New York. I am indeed. And let me tell you, I could live nowhere else. Good. But I do a lot of world traveling. Like where? Where's the best place you ever traveled? Through my television. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But, you know, you can go PBS. I love them. Oh, yeah. Great. Mm, you watch and, Downton Abbey, I assume? Of course I do. And you know what? Sometimes on the Today Show with that Matt Lauer, I love him. Oh, yeah. Where in the world is Matt Lauer? I don't even know, but I love finding out. <laughs> mm. Well, Sammy, it has been great to have you on the last lung. I love you all. We'll be right back right after this. Today's episode of the Booterverse is brought to you by Bikini Wax. Bikini Wax, helping men in Speedos feel secure since, well, absolutely never. Hey everybody, welcome back. I am sitting here with Sammy Allison. She's an improv artist and teacher as well as an actor. Sammy, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks. It's great to be here. Now, Sammy, when did you first realize that you had a gift for improv? Um, well, high school drama club. We would do lunch at improv that type of thing and I kind of liked it at that point uh, but at that it was just kind of a hobby just kind of enjoyed it college I went to an all women's college which... so did I so did I Sammy <laughs> it was delightful <laughs> I'm sure it was mm. uh, but I didn't attend there mind you I just went there oh yeah <laughs> yeah I didn't attend I just I'm sure they loved having you I'm sure they did too <laughs> but there was a, a local uh, university that had a big improv group that was really talented super good they performed every Wednesday and out of this all, entire university it was composed of eight guys so me and my best friends were like what's wrong with this girls can be funny we can do improv so my sophomore year at college we put together an improv group and that's been my focus ever since so you would consider yourself more of a leader in improv then yeah, I think so. In terms of the groups that you found yourself in. Sure, absolutely. And I think that it's interesting because there are a lot of different roles that individuals can take while in an improv troupe. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah, you, you need everybody to fill a certain spot. Now, you actually studied with uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade. Uh, how was that? That was great. Yeah, I did some workshops with them down at the Black Box Improv Theater Festival in Atlanta, Georgia. And it's just really... Um, 
really eye-opening to see someone who's doing it as a living and they're still just as laid back as someone who's doing it for fun you know who's still trying to start their career just to their general personalities are just so relaxed what separates a professional from someone who's just getting into it or doing it for fun someone who's can be paid and doesn't have to have another job. That, that's what separates it in my book. <laughs> well, I suppose I should ask the question, does something internally separate oh. <clears throat> professionals from amateurs? Sure, I think it's a passion. For When you're talking about any type of art, I think if you're separating a pro from a, someone who's doing it as a hobby, it's how much you want to do it. You know, I can't imagine a year of my life going by not doing improv. Uh, that would make me very sad. So it seems like there's something ingrained in you that draws you to this. What about people who feel the same way but are just horrible? <laughs> well, uh, there's roles for people like that, too. That's where... Is that in the audience? Yeah, the audience, making the posters, selling tickets. Oh. <laughs> we have uses for people like that everywhere. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to ask the question again. How do you deal with someone who's just really not good and no amount of teaching will make them better? Um, you know, I don't know that I've, uh, I've met that person yet. It's a lot of people, if they want to be better, they can be better, especially when you're talking about improv. It's a kind of a yearning to change and learn and be open-minded. I have had one particular student in the past who I don't think she wanted to be better. I think she just wanted to be a pain in the ass all the time. And she mm. was really good at doing that. But I think anyone can learn improv on some level. Is there a role for someone who likes to be a pain in the ass? No. Outside the classroom. That's mm. the only role. Improv is too much of a team to deal with someone who's going to be a diva or complain or be negative. No room for it. Bam. So it is said that the main rule of improv is to say yes and. Yeah, absolutely. How would you feel if I said no but? Oh, that hurts my heart a little bit. Oh, no, I don't want to hurt your heart. I'm not a cardiologist. Some people have said I'm a doctor of love, but not of actual, you know, arterary sort of delightfulness sure yeah mm. no I definitely prefer yes and I'm a big believer in you know I teach improv to uh, groups too not to be used necessarily for, for performance but it can help you in your work atmosphere help you in your relationships help you in your day-to-day -day life yes and is uh, an important statement no matter what what you're doing I'm going with but and that's it <laughs> oh, that's, that's all I'm, that's but. better than no but <laughs> oh I agree <laughs> Now, we were talking about butts. You were saying no butt. I was saying I like a little butt in my life. Yeah, I think everybody does. I think so, too. But you're an and person, a yes and yeah. person. Now, you said you worked with businesses, people in the business field. You get a lot of suits around a table. How do you approach that differently than someone who wants to be on stage? Uh, you have to start out a little more gentle to get them to open up. It takes them longer to trust you. Anytime you're doing improv, a little bit of drink never hurts. You right. know, if they're liquored up a little bit. So when you say gentle, is it sort of a shiatsu massage? How do you begin? <laughs> Um, no, you want to first kind of, one of the things is to make more of a fool of yourself, mm. to make them feel more comfortable about I, opening I up. I would have a problem with that. Oh, really? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I doubt that. Oh, I don't. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I've just listened to a few of the podcasts, so I just doubt it. Oh, you're a fan, I hope now. Yeah, yeah. Have we converted you? Sure, yeah. When we what, get a t-shirt, we'll send one your way. What do you call a fan of the Booterverse? I think a Booterite, a Booterista, a Booterian. Booterista, like mm, that one. Yeah. That's good, right? It is good. Yeah, and it seems to fit your personality as well. Oh, thanks. Yeah, sort of fun, a little bit Spanish, but not really, you know? <laughs> yeah, I do You know. might be found at a quinceanera, but nobody really knows. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. 
So you're starting off gently with these businessmen and women. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely just want to make them feel comfortable. You know, improv is all about being comfortable so you feel free to express yourself and open up. How is that any different than just communicating? A lot of people have a hard time communicating. It's really not that different. You know, open communication has a lot to do with improv skills. So would you consider yourself more of a communications expert? Sure, that's a nice way of putting it. I like, I like that. Well, by all means, go go and take it, put it on your business card and letterhead. And I can say you said that, put it as a quote? If you want to quote me, I'll take it. All right, great. Done. I mm. <laughs> See, I love this. I love what's happening right now. I actually find the notion of improv very interesting because I think that that's sort of a natural ability that certain people possess more than others. And no matter how much internal talent you have, you can learn certain techniques and skills to do it. But performing in an improv where you're trying to make people laugh, when you're injecting humor into the situation as the main point, you're adding a lot of other variables into the equation, right? Yeah, absolutely. It is a lot of variables. So how might you take someone who might have some talent or skill and help them to develop that so they could be funny on stage? Um, It really just takes a lot of time and a lot of practice. One of the best things, one of the biggest parts of making an improv group that performs well together is just them knowing each other and being comfortable with each other. You can learn to lead your players to make jokes or learn to, you know, be set up yourself to make jokes. Uh, so I would say it's just about time, you know, and for some people it could be two years of classes, one night a week, you're good. Some people need 10 years of classes to be funny on stage. Well, now you're also doing acting as well. And let me ask you a question. Do you think improv is the beginning or is improv the end? Mm, the beginning and the end. Okay, go on. <laughs> um, you, uh, anytime, if you're acting with a script, you're still improving how you're saying the lines or what's going to come out of it. Now, the director might tell you, I hate that, cut it, don't ever do that again, but you're improving how you feel about it. I could never imagine a director saying that to you. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> but again, I don't know most directors, <laughs> so you know. But what I, I, I ask that because I see a lot of people, famous people, I see a lot of people in the entertainment business who have started out doing improv, whether that's mm-hmm. at Second City, which again is a step above most uh, uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade, also very great, very good, mm-hmm. uh, very well known. You know, so they're propelled to other mediums where I'm sure they're using their improv skills and talents, mm-hmm. but that's not their end goal. They're not right. improving in the same sort of way. Right. So does improv lose? its potency as one becomes a bigger actor or a bigger performer? I don't think so. I think it's just easier to turn it into other ways where you can make more money off of it. Like Second City is really big on writing in particular, and that's why they've been able to crank out Amy Poehler and Tina Fey because they've become really good writers and able to write TV shows and whatever it is they're doing, webisodes, whatever it is. And those are skills that they learned at the improv level that you can put into writing. Right, and so I wonder if people who continue in improv groups that don't seem to be going anywhere aren't really sort of spinning their wheels because if you're not able to propel yourself into a another line of work it's very difficult to keep that sort of improv career going yeah I I I would kind of agree with that yeah you definitely it's usually going to lead into something else that's Mm. true how could it lead someone to be here on the Booterverse? <laughs> Improv is how I met your producer. Oh. So that's mm. how. <laughs> I love that. 
So how could improv help to take the Booterverse to the next level? Oh, I think you're already doing a lot of improv, but... Um, no, not me. No? This is all scripted. Oh, okay. Every word that I say, <laughs> scripted. Oh, well, you, you say it all very convincingly. I had no idea. But isn't that the good, a mark of a good improver? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm. I'm convincing you that I'm not scripted, and yet it's all... It's like a Shakespeare sonnet. It's there. I'm just reciting it. Poetry in motion. Mm, my life. <laughs> so, Sammy, talk to me about this new movie that you were in, Proud Citizen. Yeah, sure. Um, I started filming it back in 2012. It's a really unique uh, project as far as like the director, Thomas Sutherland. He's from Kentucky, but he went out to film school in LA, came back. And, you know, in film school, they really, you know, pound into you pretty hard that the director is supposed to be in charge of everything. Did you just say the director pounds into you? <laughs> I didn't quite. No, did the director I... gets pounded. Oh, typically. I see. But... Okay. <laughs> I always thought that was the actor or the leading lady, but go on. The director, too. He gets mm. a lot. So, he, the, you know, usually the director is in control of a product. You know, he decides what and when, where and who and what you're wearing and how you say it. But Tom decided, you know, I want to do something that's collaborative. I want to do an improv film, basically. And so I, I had a class that was performing at the library downtown um, at their theater there, the Farish Theater. And he runs the theater and he was like, you know, we got to talking. We got along really well talked a lot about my improv background and my theater background and he said I'm working on this film where we're improvising the entire script do you want to be in and so from that moment I just was you know caught up in the project we spent about a year filming hours and hours and thousands of hours of film and we just released it last fall we've been accepted to 10 film festivals plenty of awards pretty excited about it I saw the litany of awards you all have gotten from film festivals all over the country yeah. that must feel very gratifying absolutely I, I love it you know I've, I do a lot of uh, behind the scenes stuff too a lot of you know sound engineering and directing and producing that's kind of more my thing these days and teaching improv classes so a lot of times I don't have a performance to show my friends and family you know if I teach an improv class and the improvers have a performance I'm still backstage nobody cares about me nobody comes to see it oh so no when, that's not true <laughs> it is true so when Proud Citizen came to uh, the Kentucky Theater it was just really nice to have something to actually show my friends and family like hey this is what I can do <laughs> this is what I'm doing all the time my life <laughs> Life is not wasted. <laughs> right. Wonderful. Yeah. Now, how was it acting in terms of improv? That's quite a unique sort of experience and probably why it took so long and was such an arduous process along the way. Sure, absolutely. You know, as, as far as that goes, the improv part was kind of the easiest. Um, Katerina, who's the lead actor in the film, and Tom, they kind of sat down and wrote down like the basic storyline. These are the things we want to happen. But then when you sat down to do a scene, he'd be like, I want this to happen. Say whatever you want to say. And Katerina and I would have lots of conversations about, oh, my God, we're boring as hell. He's not getting anything out of this. We're awful. And then, you know, like, two hours later, he's like, you all were awesome. I got so much stuff. We're like, we're just talking to each other. I don't know what you're talking about. So it was, it was fun. It was easy. But I felt like I wasn't contributing, to be honest, because you're just being yourself, you know? I find that when I'm myself... I contribute so much. Well, we're all not as amazing as you are. Oh, so. stop it. You're a flatterer. That'll get you places. Yay. Yay. It got you on the show. Yay. And we are so glad that you are here. Going back to this notion of improv and acting, I love that you're able to suggest that there are components of improv that make their way into acting. Mm -hmm. But the script is very important. Absolutely. And I like directors who can give a little freedom 
But I also understand that dialogue is very important. Words are very important. And so talking about words, how much of improv is actually just ginned up from things that you've already sort of constructed internally or mentally? Um, well, hopefully very little. You know, you're going to have some things, obviously – uh, your life experiences are going to affect you and things you might say, but hopefully you don't have any like specific lines in the can. That might be the case, but it seems to me that, for example, in Second City when Tina Fey um, and um, uh, Drash were doing um, the sort of NPR, sort of WVZ Chicago, right. that there were some things that were components of that that were always sort of framing that improv sure. um sort of set right yeah well if you're doing an improv character on a regular basis you're going to you know he's going to have certain things that he might repeat or care things he might do or character attributes for sure but that's not necessarily contrary to what the motivation or the intent of improv is right no yeah people people will say you know a lot of times when i tell them i teach improv classes or i'm going to improv rehearsal they're like you can't rehearse improv it's improv well no you still have to learn rules you still have to learn to be funny you still have to learn to interact with people so people think that improv is just 100 percent go on stage and do whatever the hell you want to do but it's not there's definitely a structure so you think funny can be taught um yeah i mean the I've I've yet to meet someone who can't be funny. Please don't challenge me. I don't want the challenge <laughs> if you know someone who's just terrible. <laughs> I won't do it because you asked me not to. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you because you know what? I respect your boundaries. Here at the Buddhaverse, we respect people's boundaries. Oh, that's very nice. We try. Not everybody does respect boundaries. You know, I'm a giver. I think people know that. And uh, I'm respectful. All right. Good. I wear bow ties on the reg. I think you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a man in a bow tie can't just keep going into women's space all the time. <laughs> Plus, it's a felony. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. We really have to get those cameras removed. Um, anyway, moving on. I think funny is a sort of a step-by-step process. Mm-hmm. But there are techniques that you can learn to be more fluid. Sure. To be more off the cuff. To be more... Um, languid as they say sort of just this the, the sort of not schmaltzy but just putting people at ease a right. smoothness and a confidence that's not necessarily egotistical which i would know nothing about but a, a sort of way to approach the world in which you can communicate effectively and humorously but i don't necessarily know that that makes you a funny person yeah, I can I can see what you're saying, Cause, and there's definitely serious forms of improv too. There's I've seen improv shows that are not funny at all, where it's just long form improv. And there's not a lot of funny going on. What do you think has happened in those situations? Um, you know, so, I mean, it's okay when it does happen. You know, I think a lot of people in the think improv they assume it has to be funny. It doesn't have to be. It can be serious, uh, and it just depends on. You know where that scene starts. You know what the mood, the, what type of mood the players are in, what they're going for. Uh, but improv is really, you know, just about getting back to that inner child, like what you're saying. The fluidity is what we're trying to teach. You know, I have a four-year-old son. I don't have to teach him how to improv. He runs around the house with a stick, and all of a sudden he's a flying witch. You know, just because he's improving that. So you want, want to get people back to their child inside them that. A society has squashed down for years and years and years mm. and years. If you had a daughter, I would be more worried. <laughs> so at this point in the show, we always like to give individuals the opportunity to sort of open the mic up to you to say whatever you want. 
Um, be happy. Just relax. Life really is not that serious. It ends too soon. Just relax and enjoy it. That's what I would tell people. That's what improv basically is about. Chill out and enjoy life. So is your theme song relax? <laughs> I do like that song a lot. But no, I would uh, choose, uh, what's the Pharrell song? Because I'm happy. I think it's just called happy. happy. That's all it's called. I love that song a lot. I'm working on getting that hat. Oh, you would look great in it. Thank you. You're you welcome. are so complimentary. Oh, thanks. No, thank you. <laughs> well, that has been another episode of the Booterverse. I'm sitting down with Sammy Allison. Sammy, thank you so much for sitting down with us. Thank you for having me. It has been our pleasure. And we'll be right back right after this. Today's episode of the Booterverse is brought to you by Mashed Potatoes. Mashed Potatoes, helping the elderly gum their way to victory since the dawn of time. And now for Booter Thoughts. A man should not be judged on the size of his hair, or should he? In my world, quaffing is completely acceptable. A man's hair should be tall and mighty. If your hair isn't rivaling your old Aunt Martha's, you're just not trying hard enough. Now, I know there are those follicularly challenged gentlemen out there who just can't grow a follicle of hair. And to you, sir, my sympathy. But for all of those who can grow some hair, do so. I don't care what's going on below the belt, but certainly it's what's on top of your head that matters. As the ancient Iroquois proverb once said, high hair cast tall shadow. And that's been it for Booter Thoughts. Here at the Booterverse, we'd like to send a special thanks to Sammy Allison for being on the show. We'd also like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Of course, we'd like to thank Courtney and Sonny, who help on the production side, and to Quadrants, who composed our theme song. If you haven't had enough of me here, I'm also everywhere on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the handle The Booter. And of course, we're also on Pinterest, because, you know, men should be on Pinterest? I know interstellar travel is a bit difficult, but the Booterverse is only a click away. Booter.